Get a rare view into the human side of wealth management leaders, innovators, and influencers with the Big Reveal podcast from Suzanne Syracuse in partnership with InvestNet. Tune in and subscribe to find out why she calls it the Big Reveal. listeners welcome to the adventure seed podcast a random roller podcast where every show is different i'm heather and i'm whitney we rolled a silly adventure today out of 20 possibilities and rolled for drinks too we are waxing nostalgic with everything i need to know i learned from a disney little golden book and everything i need to know i learned from a little golden book both by by diane muldrow i finally got my icy that i've been craving and whitney has a dunkel by Schulz Brow Brewing Company. I'm so, so proud of you. <laughs> <laughs> I can say German words. It's nice. So stick around and see what chaos we come up with today. Awesome. I'm so excited, Heather. I am too. So our little golden books are a little bit different. And I think that just makes them that much more exciting. Right before the show, we were talking about what books, children's books specifically, mean to us. Do you want to share with our listeners the story you were telling me about growing up with Little Golden Books? Well, so Little Golden Books were uh, definitely a, a, a central part of our gift giving as children. All of our family members, extended family members, all collected them. So we had Golden Books, Little Golden Books from my grandmother, from her collection, from my mother. Uh, all of our extended family had them. We gave them as gifts. So we were constantly, if we got nothing else, we always got little golden books for birthdays or Christmases or something. It was, it was a very big part of our, our family. And so little golden books, even as an adult, is very nostalgic for me and always gives me goosebumps. And I get very excited when I see one and I want to pick it up and I read it immediately. And I'm 36 years old. Oh, wow. So like... These, these take you back like all the way to your childhood, those those days of like just laying in the floor reading. Absolutely. I mean, and being excited and collecting like this was what we collected when we were little. We didn't do the expensive toys and all that. Now, some things we did because of yard sales, but yeah, this was what we collected. This was what got us excited. Growing up, uh, we didn't have very many little golden books and like, I remember a couple that I had. I probably had maybe, like, five or six of the the Disney ones that are featured in your book. I think I had one, maybe two, of the little golden books of the classic set, like, the original set growing up. Um, oh, yeah. We didn't... My parents didn't buy us very many books. Instead, they would, like, take us to the library every weekend. Uh, and we did that, too. Absolutely. I mean, like libraries are a really nice thing to have around. Um, but for for us growing up, my parents were like, we're not going to buy you this book because you're going to outgrow it. So you can just go go to the library. <laughs> and I mean, and that totally makes sense, too. You know, we all have different priorities. And like I said, that you you all had you all have different things that mean mean more to you all. Uh, as far as like the actual giving of a, a gift uh, instead of just borrowing it for a little while. Well, 
But I think it's interesting, like my parents having the attitude of, well, you outgrow a book. I don't really know that that's accurate because the books that I did attach myself to as a kid, even though I am I'm decades more mature than that now and, and older than that now, they still hold that special place and you can read them and it, it takes you back to that time period and it it, it makes you remember sitting around with certain people or where you were the first time you heard that story. So I don't really Well, and the classics. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I just don't, I don't know that you can actually outgrow a book. I think the book grows with you. I agree. And so some of the, the very first classic little golden books are on their website, the littlegoldenbooks.com. They uh, show their four originals, and that's the pokey little puppy, Toodle, Scruffy the tugboat, and the shy little kitten. And so the everything I need to know I learned from a little golden book version that you have, um, it has different scenes from the original books. Is that correct? I haven't seen your copy. I took for granted that they'd be the same. (laughs) So mine is the original Little Golden Book set, and it has a nice little letter at the beginning that talks about Little Golden Books and and how they came to be, and why why they just became so well-loved, really. It doesn't go much into the history, but I think we want to talk about that in a little bit. But then the images from my books are like circus time from 1948, um, the seven sneezes from 1948, um, animal gem from 1956. So these are like really vintage pictures that are in my book. A lot of these I did not grow up with, but like Pokemon I had, I know I had Scruffy the tugboat and there's like one or two others maybe I had in here, but most of these were like new pictures for me. So that's really crazy. So what about, um, what were some of the other older ones? Because, so Little Golden Books have been around for 75 years. They opened actually 76 this year because it's October the 1st is when they, their their big birthday is of 1942. And I know that you're not really a sci-fi lady, but by now, because I've kind of said this so much and referenced it so much between me and your husband, 42 is the answer to life, the universe, and everything, as Douglas although, Adams quoted. In, although I'm not a big sci-fi person, I have definitely read the, the first three of the Hitchhikers series. So, And so, I, like, I just find it amazing that they opened in 1942. <laughs> yeah. I haven't seen an image that old yet in here. I'm looking at all the dates as we're talking. Um, the Three Bears is in here from 48. Um, I Am a Bunny from 1963. Um, I've got one in mine from 1944, one of the Disney ones. So the, the Cold-Blooded Penguin from the Three Caballeros. Oh, yeah. So that was 44. So I have the Disney version. So it's all the Disney little golden books and it's all of them. It's we've got the original Alice of Wonderland. 
We have a little man of Disneyland, which is, it goes through all the different worlds, like from it's the small world. Uh, there's Aladdin, there's the original Peter Pan from 1952. You've got Finding Nemo. The, the illustrations in this one are so cute and so wonderful. And I, I just, the the themes through the book, you were talking about it earlier, and you said they're very, what did you say again? They were very simple, simply yeah, stated. So, so this one that I have, everything I need to know I learned from a little golden book is the title of mine. And it presents basic life lessons that are so basic, they really should be common sense. But... Our adult lives get so complicated, I think, when we are stuck in a complex situation, we forget some of these really, really basic lessons. And I'm just going to read the first few pages of mine. Um, so it starts out, is your life starting to feel like a circus? And it has the picture from circus time and there's lions and tigers jumping and a ringleader and it says you turn the page it goes don't panic today's a new day and there's a picture of a little girl and her braids have fallen off from the seven sneezes i'm assuming she has sneezed her braids off and then the uh, today's a new day is an adorable little baby like throwing his hands up so excited from good morning good night and then the, the very next page says, get dressed first thing. Sweatpants are bad for morale. Put on something nice. I have needed that lesson a lot the last few months um, because I have lived in pajama pants and sweatpants. And the fact that little golden book is like, hey, do yourself a favor. Wear something nice. You'll feel better today. I'm like, hey, you're right, little golden book. How did I forget that? Um, the next page, it says, have some pancakes. That's a great idea. Carbs do make me feel better. Get some exercise every day. Another area of my life I significantly struggle with. And it shows, this picture shows um, Animal Gym from 1956. And so it's like, tigers and lions and bears and hippos and kangaroos and monkeys all doing like, lunges together so it's just really whimsical and silly it says frolic daydream go on a joy ride stargaze like these are all things that we can do to make ourselves feel better but i think they're easy to do now as well like yeah. it's not it's they're all conceivable easy actions to do they're minor actions it's just it the hardest part is to get going so for this little golden book to remind you from your childhood, um, from from previous childhoods. Hey, these are some some pretty easy things to do that'll make you feel better. We promise. Right. It says go for a stroll, bird watch. I don't even have to leave my house to bird watch. I can take my newly dressed pancaked self to a window and do that if I really am not ready to deal with the world. Um, it says the simplest things are often the most fun. And what I also think is really nice about this, it says go on a picnic, make some music. These all are free. This little golden book is reminding you, you don't have to, to have all the world of money to go make yourself feel better. better. You don't have to 
go out and be a big spender or go on the most fancy vacation. Like, well, and we can't do that right now anyway. So here are some things we can do to get us through these hard times. The the, the book also says be a hugger and give people some kisses. You can't be doing that right now, but like, you you can give virtual hugs and you can give virtual kisses and those you know, people demean that value, but they forget, like, when you don't have those words of encouragement coming at you, you you know, you know when they're gone. Because I am, like, people that know me know I'm a very touchy person. Like, I will hug a total stranger when I meet them. And some people that freaks out, I've had to, like, stop myself because I'm such a hugger. But, like, in my own family circle inside my house, we all share the same germs anyway. So I can hug my husband and my kid i'm pretty sure at this point my kid would be happy if he never got another hug again because the first three uh, quarantine i was so young him. he'll forget i was hugging him like a hundred times a day and he would hold his little hand out no no mommy no hug because he was getting so many <laughs> um but like these are just simple basic little things and i love the lessons that this book teaches what does your little golden book talk about So mine is more about the magic of life, like the magic that's all around us and easy to find. So mine starts with uh, the Snow White and it says, does your life seem more ho-hum than hi-ho? Perhaps you've been feeling lethargic for what seems like a hundred years or you're unsure of your direction in life. Maybe you're not thrilled with what the mirror's been telling you lately. Perhaps you're a bit lonely or thinking that your true love should have found you by now. Don't panic. <laughs> All oh, you need is a little magic in your life. <laughs> so is the one is the page where it talks about the mirror, like the mirror, mirror on the wall scene? Yep, absolutely. I love that, like, because we all have grown up with this, like, cultural culture of children's literature and children's movie. Like, I don't even have to see your little golden book to know which little golden book it's showing on the page. Uh, yes. And, you know, it's, it's, that's true. There's some that like there's hope in your heart and life isn't always fair with hope in your heart. You can swim with the sharks. So some of those things you can absolutely. But what, what I love about some of mine is you can't always tell. So but there would be no magic without your love and its power. You, the page that I'm looking at is uh, Monsters, Inc. It's um, oh. it's Ollie and, and Boo. And it's the power of love. The, 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 the kids' screams were very beneficial to them. But the child's yeah. love was exponential. Yes. I and always then, thought that was Pinocchio because of, like, Geppetto's love for his child making Pinocchio, like, a real boy. Right. There's so many different things that could be. It could also be the one in Rapunzel where Ryder, you know, gives her her autonomy. There's... Yeah. You know, it gives us courage. And on that one, it's it's from Brave. It's uh, Merida, you know, and, and she's standing up to her father to protect her mother bear. Uh, so it's just, it's really, one of the lines is because love is stronger than hate. And that one's the one where it kind of got me. Uh, it's got Ariel. It's telling, you know, these little girls to be an explorer. Don't don't stand back. It's going to take your journey is going to take you out of your comfort zone and do it anyway. Look up and listen and watch for doors that are opening for you. Are you ready to make your own magic? It's up to you. So I just, 
That's a really powerful message. Like, for adults, but especially for children. So children's books have, have always had this power. And, you know, I talked about how Little Golds in specific were very important to our family, but really it's just books in general. And mm -hmm. books, when I was a kid and reading a book, it meant a lot to me. And I loved being a bookworm. When I was an adult, like as an adult and reading these same books from my childhood to books now, I, I, still, I still tend to gravitate towards these children books and young adult books because there are a lot of authors now from our generation and maybe the generation before that are writing to an audience where they recognize that a child and a young adult can take the, the darkness and can understand it because they see and hear and understand more than adults give them credit for. Absolutely. And when they're, when they're writing at a level where it's just open and inclusive to everyone, I, I absorb that better. And so Alan and I were talking the other day and one of his law professors used to say that if you write at a fourth grade level, you're going to reach the broadest audience and connect with them more because they're going to be able to absorb that information better. Okay. And I, I think that that's part of why I just, I, I love, even as an adult, and you can speak to as an adult with a child with children, how, how, how the power of the book, you never outgrow it. Like your, your parents thought you, you never outgrow it. It just changes with age. Mm -hmm. I think so. One of my favorite children's books is Where the Wild Things Are. I, I love that book so much. It ended up becoming my child's nursery theme for my for my first son. And um, so, when I read Where the Wild Things Were as a kid, and I I think I checked that book out from the library like every other week. They made me give it back. You could only renew it so many times. So I would give it back and the very next weekend I would check it out again. Like no one else in the entire Gibbs Corian area was ever going to check that book out because it was mine. And, and I checked it out from our little library every time I could. And so for me as a kid, where the wild things are is just this silly romp fun. I can get away with things because I'm the king of the wild beasts and nobody can tame me. But when I went back and visited that book in college, uh, what really struck me was the way that Mari Sindak chose to illustrate it. Because the book starts out with Max alone in his room in trouble and the picture is very, very, very small. And as and, and all around is just this white space and the words. And as Max's imagination takes him to the land of the wild things, the picture grows and grows and grows and the sentences get smaller and smaller until you get to the wild rumpus and there are no words left. It is just this full color edge to edge corner to corner, colorful illustration. And it goes on for a couple of pages. And then as Max starts to miss his mom and he starts to, to miss his life, the picture shrinks and shrinks and shrinks until we just have Max asleep in his bed 
happy in his room. And to me, that spoke volumes about what it means to be a child, but also what it means to grow up and come to terms with some of the, the logical processes that you have to accept as an adult. And as, as a five-year-old, as an eight-year-old, those ideas never crossed my mind. But as, a, as an adult and a parent, when I interact with my kid, I can see when my kid's imagination is full force. I can see when he's struggling to understand, like, the rule. You can't throw the basketball at the window because it'll break. Like, in my kid's mind, well, the basketball could just go through the window or it'll always bounce off because that's what his imagination and his childlike understanding teaches him. So it's, it's almost like I can watch his, his mind expanding and then like coming to terms and, and grappling almost like the illustrations on the page. And so like we read where the wild things are a couple times a week with each other, him and me. And, and he, he loves to, to look at those rumpus pages because they're so fun and colorful. And as an adult, it reminds me like sometimes I just have to let him be a kid. We can deal yeah. with the logic in life later. And so even even as a 30-year-old adult, I'm getting lessons from this book that Mari Sindak gave us that I grew up with that are different lessons than I got when I was my child's age. I mean, that's the power of books. You know, that's why we're bookworms and why we're doing this this podcast and, and why we're here. And, you know, keeping in mind that it is a podcast, we want to know what your favorite childhood books are. And like, what, like, is there a book, a lot of people do the, oh, the places you'll go by Dr. Seuss. That's a very common graduation gift from high school or even college where, where people will gift that to, to an adult, a young adult. And, you know, what, what, what childhood book um, speaks to you the most? One of mine is Harold and the Purple Crown. That's my favorite childhood book by far it just that to speak to your imagination and and watching his his mind explode and go full force with the imagination he is so frequently i want to get your kid a giant magical purple crayon and as his fairy godmother i will figure out a way to do that <laughs> but in the meantime like just like just re just remembering that these stories meant so much to us and you know that it's a, a gentle reminder from us today, pick up that book that you loved so much as a kid. Tell us about it. Tell a niece or nephew or, you know, a, a God kid in your life or your own children, even if they're adults, you know, remind them about that book and just kind of laugh and giggle about it. Go, go through it. Well, what really fascinates me, especially in today's times about books, there are book series that have like such devout followings by their fans that you now have, thanks to the internet, we have like large communities, like fandoms. You, fandoms, yeah, like like you and I, we know exactly what Hogwarts house we would be in. The students that I teach, they don't really talk about Hogwarts houses as much, but man, they will tell me exactly what Camp Half-Blood house they're in from the Percy Jackson series. And oh, yeah. a few years from now, it'll be something else. But like the fact that our generations are now growing up with 
with deep love for these these big title books. And it's not just a children's book anymore that we as a society associates with. It's it's YA literature that becomes adult fiction with us. Like we take those things no matter where we go in life, the lessons we learn from these books travel with us. And when life gets really hard, we relate back to that book and how we should deal with some situations based on how our favorite characters confronted them. Like we find strength in these books. And, you know, to kind of to wrap up the show and kind of bring it full circle, um, Heather and I have not been paid to talk about Little Golden Books. Uh, it's just something that we are very passionate about and enjoy. But something, and, and we, we don't get paid to do any of this one day, maybe. Um, but something that we really enjoy in our, our community is um, Dolly Parton is from our home state of Tennessee. And I actually lived in Sevier County for 10, 15 years. Um, okay. in my formative years, say that yeah, again. I lived there for eight. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Of course. So, like, we it it's just very important to us, and so we wanted to kind of just give a little bit of a shout out to the Imagination Library. We were looking at it up before the show so that we didn't mess anything up and got everything like the information correct. Do you want to start, Heather? Yeah. So Dolly Parton. Just to give you some background on why she formed the Imagination Library, for those that don't know, Dolly Parton grew up in Sevier County. It was it was a very poor Appalachian community. They didn't have a lot of access to education or libraries. And so once Dolly Parton grew up and became the queen of country music, it had always been her goal to give back to that community and to better that community because she knew that that kids deserve to fulfill their potentials in life. So she started the Imagination Library very locally and it gives every kid one book a month from the age like from day 1 that they are born up until age 5 when they start school because then the school offers a library. And, and it's so, an age-appropriate book. Yes, an age-appropriate book. So it started just in Sevier County. She eventually expanded it out to all of the Appalachian Mountain Range, like any county that touched the Appalachian Mountain Range, she expanded to. It has now gone nationwide. And so an Imagination Library is available in every state when we looked at their affiliate list, if it's not in your area, you can actually sign up to be what's called a champion. And so then you are you are helping get an imagination library to your county, your city, your region, whatever. Um, where we live, um, our public library is our affiliate. And so, the public library sends my child a book. We got one not even 18 days after he was born. Like I signed up and 18 days later, his first book came. And Dolly Parton's Imagination Library, the first book is always um, The Little Engine That Could 
because Dolly Part that's the one book she had access to as a kid. And it was the first book she remembers owning. And the message that she wants to send to children is that you can achieve anything with the right amount of hard work and the right amount of help. You can do anything. But after that first book, we got board books that were age appropriate for an infant. And they just had really pretty colors or like a single shape and a single word. Or it, it would have like the, the body parts and it would help teach the baby body parts. And now that he's two and a half, the books that we get are paper books, but they're still like one sentence per page. Um, as, they yeah. get, as they get a little older, they start getting more complex and more age appropriate. Cause like a, a little baby can't turn a page for a paper book, but they can turn board book pages. Sure. What really has impressed me are a lot of the books that we get are also written in English at the bottom of the page and then Spanish at the top. Or the sentence will be in English and right under it, the sentence is in Spanish. So it's also grown with the times. Yeah. And That's like cool. they're, they're but, bilingual. Yeah. But what we do, because my mom and Garen's mom speak Spanish, mm. we read the book to him in English and then we read the book to him in Spanish. So it's also helping my child become bilingual. And he's That's awesome. I know he's learned all the animal names in English and Spanish. So if you have an imagination library and you know a kid, I highly recommend their program. Yeah, definitely look it up and sign them up, guys. But she's done a lot for our state and a lot for our country. And I just really, I would vote for Dolly all the way if I could. <laughs> I think Dolly's too smart to run for a political she office. She <laughs> definitely is. She's, she's said many times, don't even, don't even joke about it, guys. <laughs> But uh, so let's uh, let's roll some D20s. Absolutely. Uh, we are rolling for what we are reading next time. And I do believe it is my roll. So I'm going to give this big old bad boy a roll. And it looks like I rolled for a magazine article. Ooh. So we are going to be reading from a magazine. and. You all might be surprised to hear what it is next time. We really are a random roller podcast. That's for dang sure. <laughs> all right. So, Heather, I guess we'll I see you next time. Oh, yeah. We well, got all drinks. I forgot drinks. Drinks. I rolled a nat one. You did not. I do. You have to drink water, and you hate to drink water. Ew, that's really boring. I know. The, well, you, that is a natural one. Our both both our natural one is water. Actually, mine's pickle juice. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I rolled a four for Coors Light. So Ooh, fancy. That's exciting. Um, I don't know if I have Coors Light in the fridge, and I'm currently on quarantine myself right now. You all might have noticed our audio is a little off. Uh, or hopefully you don't notice. Maybe it's even better than normal. I'm trying a new thing. Uh, but yeah, so I might have to go with a, just a basic lager. But we'll see. I'll look in my I'll fridge. Look at the lager. 
You can you can uh, re-roll your water if you want. We each have an inspiration. I think we should give ourselves, an, I'm giving you an inspiration point, and I think you should give me an inspiration point for re-rolling our drinks. Okay. I, I will let us do that. Are we ready? Yeah, let's roll. Okay, I rolled a 12. You rolled a 12? All yes. right. That means you get a Diet Dr. Pepper. Ooh, ooh. That's way better than water. Okay, so I rolled another craft beer. Lucky for me, I do have plenty of craft beers in the fridge. Um, I really wish I would have rolled for margarita, though, but that's all right. Um, so we, uh, we'll be reading a magazine article for next time, guys. All right. Thanks for listening to Adventure Seed Podcast. Follow our quest. Oh, sorry. <laughs> we both get so excited to like tell you guys all about us. Follow our quest, Adventure Seed Podcast, on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and wherever you get podcasts. And don't forget to share. If you've gotten to this link by somebody posting on Spreaker, search for all three words, Adventure Seed Podcast, and that will show you our actual podcast and subscribe and review and all that jazz. And may the dice always be in your favor. Roll well. Roll well, guys. Bye. And hopefully you will be listening to some music right now. We're do-do-do-do-do-do-do. <laughs> We're trying something <laughs> new. Give it. Let me, let me just get here. I'm just going to keep talking to you because otherwise it'd be dead air. Bye, guys. OLED display in the Cadillac Escalade has 38 total diagonal inches of color display. So why do we give it a curve too? I guess you could say we like to bend the rules. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade never stop arriving. As a roofing contractor, where do you want to take your business? Financial stability? Consistent growth? Or are you working towards a nicer house? A way to pay for your kid's college? Wherever you're going, GAF has contractor programs and tools to help you get there. Fast and affordable digital measurements, rewards programs, weather alerts, expert training, steep slope and low slope roofing products, all to help you grow your business. To find out more, visit GAF.com slash get there.